0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Work Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday night service. We are going to have an awesome time tonight. We're going to be kind of studying some deeper things in the Bible, talking about the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast. And we're going to see why it is we don't have to be afraid of these things. But it's definitely a time to be alert and awake and ready to do the work of God and spread the gospel everywhere while we still have time. Let's get into some praise and worship tonight. Go ahead and tag somebody, invite somebody, text somebody to tune in. It's going to be a powerful night tonight.
1: Let's worship the Lord together.
0: everybody. We're going to go ahead and get into the word of God tonight. I want to open up in prayer and get right into it because we've got a lot of stuff to cover. And as I keep saying in a short amount of time. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, I pray that as we study your word tonight, God, that you're going to encourage us, you're going to educate us, you're going to show us things that we need to see. And Lord, we know that some of this stuff is a lot different than what we normally read and talk about, but it's all in your word. And so I pray tonight, that just as you said, those with ears to hear, let them hear. Let us hear tonight, God, what you're saying to us in Jesus name. Amen. So to review just a little bit, last week we talked about the rapture of the church. And I mean, that's some exciting stuff. I've heard people talking about it. We kind of stirred some things up within you over the past week about the rapture. And it's going to be just the most amazing thing to ever take place. And of course, everybody wants to go on the rapture. Everybody wants to be a part of that. Now, after the rapture takes place, that brings us to kind of the next step in the end times teaching. And that begins a period known as the tribulation or the great tribulation. And this is a seven year period of all hell breaking loose on the earth. And, you know, that's not a fun thing to think about or talk about. But as we study scripture in several different places, you can flat out tell it's going to be an awful time to be on planet Earth. In Matthew 24, verse 21, Jesus said there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it'll never be so great again. And so Jesus, he started giving giving some uh, advice, some preparation, some warning about all this. But it's going to be just a nearly mind-blowing time. And, you know, we think that things are bad in the world right now. We think we've seen bad things and there have been bad things. We think that, you know, we've seen the worst of it. But I'm telling you right now, this will be the worst of it. And that's not something that I want to be around here for. Now, after the tribulation begins, we're going to study this in a few minutes. There's going to be a man arise that the Bible refers to as the Antichrist. The book of Revelation calls him the beast, and uh, he's going to be the most evil person the world has ever seen. And that's hard to hard to imagine because we've seen guys like Hitler and, and Osama bin Laden and, and all these guys, and they are bad, but the Antichrist is going to make them look like lightweights, and it's going to be a very deceptive and horrific thing, and again... I don't want to be here for that. I want to be in heaven at the marriage supper of the lamb. I want to be worshiping Jesus. I want to be laying crowns at his feet. I want to be in the presence of God while all this is going on down here on earth. And so one of the great debates. Amongst Christians, because there's a lot of Christians, man, they love to debate. You know, the word says to fight the good fight of faith. Well, some people I know, they just left off after that first word. That was all they needed fight. And so they're going out and fighting everybody. Every Christian that has a different stance on things. And hey, man, that's just not me. I'm not a debater. I'm not somebody that's going out looking for a for a fight and an argument. And some people feel that's their thing and their calling. That is not me. I'd rather be doing what I consider to be productive things and reaching people with the gospel but anyway one of the most hotly debated topics of all history and christianity is about the rapture and we mentioned this last week is there is it going to take place before the tribulation after the tribulation midway through the tribulation is it going to be a mixture of both or will it happen at all well, as I said last week, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And, you know, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. But no need to send hate mail. Just keep it to yourself. But I'm going to give just a few quick reasons why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And it's not because I'm a sissy millennial. It's not because I, I'm afraid uh, to, to, you know, take the fire that's coming. It's just I believe the Bible shows us a different picture. Um so a few quick reasons, take note before I'm gonna get into the real message here in a few minutes, but uh one reason why I believe in a pre tribulation rapture is Jesus told us in Matthew twenty four, forty-four that nobody will know the day or the hour of his return. In fact, it says not even the Son Himself knows the exact day or the hour. And here's the thing if we're here when the tribulation period actually begins. If you've studied the Bible, you would be able to predict the day of the hour and know spot on when it's going to be. Uh, because when we see a world leader rise to power known as the Antichrist and stand at the temple and proclaim that he himself is God, we know there's exactly three and a half years left of great tribulation before Jesus comes for the battle of Armageddon Uh, or when the two witnesses are killed in the streets of Jerusalem. As as it talks about, Uh, we know that there's only three and a half days after that until Jesus comes back for uh, the battle of Armageddon. Um, Another reason is in Second Thessalonians chapter two, the Apostle Paul, and we're going to look at this here in a few minutes, speaks of something or someone that is Restraining the Antichrist from being revealed. It says he cannot be uh, revealed. He can't come onto the scene until whatever that restraining force is, is moved out of the way. And I believe that that restraining force that's holding him at bay right now is the church of Jesus Christ. And one reason is because, again, those of us that have studied the Bible, when he shows up, We'll be we'd be able to say, well, that's the Antichrist. This is so obvious who this guy is. But if we're raptured out of here, if we're taken away, then he can come onto the scene and deceive the world and do what he's been meaning to do this whole time. And so I believe that the church has to be raptured before the Antichrist can actually be revealed and come and deceive the whole world. Another reason, number three, that, you know, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture and there's more reasons, but I'm, you know, for the sake of time, just jotting down some things that I've studied and and pondered and thought about and seen in the word of God. But the church, uh, the ecclesia, as it's the Greek word is, the church is not mentioned in Revelations chapter six through 18 as being on the earth. It talks about us. You know, being at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it talks about us being in heaven in several different ways and places. But Revelation 6 through 18 is all hell breaking loose on earth for the great tribulation. And there's no mention of the sanctified church of Jesus Christ being down here on earth. Now, there will be some people that get saved during the tribulation and sadly they will have a very little chance of survival until the end, though some people there will be a handful to do. But overall, they'll be martyred and murdered for their faith. But there's no mention of the church of Jesus Christ being on earth at that time. We're in heaven. And so I would think that and the most detailed passages of what the great tribulation are going to be. If we were going to be here, it would tell us that we're going to be here and give us some warning. Also, number four, the epistles, the letters that were specifically the most specifically written things, uh, letters and books of the Bible, the most specific books written to us and the whole Bible. Bible is written to us and it's all equally good and it's all amazing. So don't think I'm not saying that, but the epistles are very, very specifically written to New Testament Christians they don't give us any preparatory warnings of great tribulation that we're going to endure. Now, hear me out. They give us a lot of uh, warning. They vigorously warn us about false prophets coming, about ungodly living coming. And for us to stay away with it, they warn us about uh, trials and tribulations, depending on the translation you read, tribulations, that uh, that we will stand up to and endure and, and fight and, and fight the good fight of faith and all that. But it doesn't specifically warn us about what to do during the Great Tribulation. And I know God would give us instruction and warning on how to handle it if he planned on his sanctified, blood-washed church being here. And one final thing, uh, number five, I guess, for this you know revelation 3 the the whole chapter there's different uh letters written to different churches and they apply to us right now you know one is he doesn't want us to be lukewarm he wants us to be hot for him uh, There's these apply to us even now but to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation three uh, ten, he said because you have kept my command to persevere I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth and I believe that if we are faithful and stick with God and persevere while well, He's telling this church of Philadelphia right here that he will keep us from that hour of trial and tribulation that he was talking about, okay? So with that being said, those are some reasons that I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. What we're going to do now is kind of get in to the great tribulation. And so imagine with me, maybe you've seen, you know, some of the movies and, and I you know I like a lot of those. Those are those are pretty good and stuff. You know, they they seem to line up, you know, the left behind movies and things like that with a lot of things I've read. But anyway, um, but imagine the church, the Christians, the true Sticking with God, not the, you know, unfaithful backstabbers, lukewarmers, you know, not not really sticking with God. We're talking about the legit born again, sticking with Jesus Christians. Imagine that we've all been gone in one day. And, you know, we've seen over the last couple months how quickly the world can change in a very short amount of time. I mean, we've seen things throughout the past month or two that. I I just I didn't think things could change that quickly to go from a couple days ago, everything being normal to within a few days time. I mean, everything shut down, not being able to buy basic commodities, just insane. But imagine with me if all the born again. Christians are taken away from this earth and again we don't know what that number is but it's in the millions hundreds of millions and they're all instantly gone imagine the void that will leave in the economy imagine the void that will leave in commerce and in the education sector the healthcare world imagine the, you know just all the different areas of society that that will affect when hundreds of millions of people are gone instantly And it's going to be all out chaos because, as I've said, we've been the voice of reason in so many things. We've been the moral compass in this world. And when we're when when the Christians, the true Christians are gone, man, it's going to go absolute insane down here. And so one thing that I've seen is when things go crazy, people start looking for answers. And they will start to look for somebody that seems to have some sanity about them, somebody that has some source of calmness, somebody that can provide answers. And can you see with me right now how the world will perfectly be set up for somebody to come in and say, hey, everybody, I've got the answers that you need. I've got the answers. I've got the supplies, the resources just listen to me and do what I say and everything will be all right. And that's opening the door for the Antichrist. And that's point number one of what I'm going to talk about tonight is the Antichrist. And so there's several different passages that mention him. Uh, again, they call him the beast. The Antichrist is what we're going to see here. So Second Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4. 2 Thessalonians 2. We're going to look at verses three through four, and I don't, you know, I used to hear the phrase Antichrist and Mark of the Beast and the False Prophet and all this, and those kind of used to give me the spooks. But I'm not afraid of that stuff because I know where we're going to be. We're going to be in heaven. And Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, we're going to look here at verses three through four, and uh, man, it's, it's just it's it's crazy to be able to look at this and, and realize that it's not that far off. But it says, But don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. And again, as we talked about a few weeks ago, it's key for the temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem in order for this specific thing right here to happen for him to be in the temple of God and claim to the world that he himself is now their God. And that's gonna happen. And that's a crazy thing to think about. But this guy, people are gonna trust him. They're gonna give their all to him. They're gonna give their hearts to him because he seems to have the answers. He seems to have the peace they need for I would, from what I can see, the first half of the tribulation, he's going to seem like a man of peace. And then the second half, he's going to go absolutely nuts and destroy everything. Um, But the next few verses here, uh, verses six through eight, skip over there, verses six through eight. It says, and you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. And I believe that, again, we, the church, are what is holding him back. And he can't be revealed until we're out of here. Verse seven. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Again, us. Verse eight. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. And that's talking about later on at the second coming. So again, the one who's holding him back. Is the Christians, and this man is going to be so evil. He, he's going to he's going to deny that Jesus is the Christ and that God is the Father. That's going to be a big time indication of who this guy is. Somebody shows up with you know peace and answers, but he will refuse to deny, or excuse me, he will deny. That Jesus is Lord. Deny that that God is the Father. Those are some key things, once again, that uh, we would be able to tell as Christians. Um, he's going to be an amazing deceiver and liar. And we see... A- the picture painted so clearly through Revelation and, and even here in second Thessalonians, he's going to have such an amazing ability to deceive people. And he's also going to have the ability to perform some miracles. Verse nine says this. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. And think about that when people are just Again. At the end of their rope looking for any answers they have, here comes a guy with peace and he has this ability to perform some miracles and do some things. People are going to flock to him and give him their hearts, give him their everything. I want to look at 1 John 2 verse 18 because it also mentions, uh, the word antichrist. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. And it kind of mentions it in a different light. It mentions antichrists, plural. And so 1 John 2.18 it says this. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the antichrist is coming. And already many such antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. And so there will be a lot of antichrists, anti-Christian, anti-Jesus people arise, and man, we I see that already. There's lots of anti-Jesus, anti-Christ people all over the world right now. But notice that earlier on it says it refers to the anti-Christ coming. And so there's a difference. There's anti-Jesus, anti-Christ people. There's plenty of them. But then there is the anti-Christ, and that's who we're mainly talking about here. And I want to show you something here in Matthew 24. Uh, verses 15 through 22, just to really uh, give a thorough uh, backing of scripture on, on a lot of this stuff. Matthew 24, verses 15 through 22. Again, the Olivet Discourse, this is Jesus talking to the disciples right here on the Mount of Olives. Matthew 24, verses 15 through 22. It says, The day is coming when you will see what Daniel, the prophet, spoke about the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. And that's referring to the Antichrist, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. That's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 16, it says, then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And so that sounds to me just like the great tribulation. And notice it says it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Because, again, there will be some people that receive Jesus during the tribulation. And sadly, they could have gone in the rapture before all this broke loose. But they're enduring the tribulation now. Some will make it all the way through to the end. And the majority, though, will die uh, for murder or being martyred for their faith. All right. And uh, one thing that I think is worth noting and worthwhile is this is so many people. I love this. Speculate, you know, who the Antichrist is right now. I am not going to do that. That is that's just stupid. That's foolish. And one thing I can tell you, though, is uh, and I'll repeat it because I've said it since the very beginning of our series on this. So many people think, especially here in America, we get all caught up in ourselves because we love ourselves so much that we read all this and we think, oh, the Antichrist. And I mean, I'm tired of hearing people say that the Antichrist is Obama. It's not. I'm tired of hearing people say the Antichrist is Trump. It's not or George Bush or or uh, Bill Gates is now on the great list. And, and I mean, just people just throwing all these American names out there. And if you do a deep study, OK, which again, we don't have time for right now. But Daniel seven tells us that the beast, the Antichrist is going to come from among the ten horns of the Roman Empire. And again, studying that out deeper and further. What that boils down to is I believe he's going to be somebody that comes out of Europe because that's the Roman Empire over there. And I do not believe that he's any American person. And I don't believe that he's some president that you just so happen to not like because they don't do what you want them to do. That's that doesn't make them the Antichrist. That makes them somebody that you don't like. But that does not make them the Antichrist. So, for what it's worth, I believe the Antichrist will be somebody that comes out of Europe, and I uh, believe that he's alive right now, personally. I believe he's alive and being set up for whatever's gonna happen, you know, so long as Jesus returns and raptures us soon. But I believe very strongly that it's, he's very potentially alive already and, and being set up for when this day comes, alright? So the second thing I'm going to discuss tonight is this, the mark of the beast. And, you know, this is all sounds like such a fun topic. But again, I'm encouraging you, man, get close to Jesus. Stick close to him, man. Be ready for the rapture. And then this isn't something that's going to concern you. But Revelation 13, we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18 and again, the book of Revelation is very, very good read, very interesting study. Uh, You've got to really um, be able to to study it out. It's not something you skim over. It's a very deep uh, thing to read. But it's it's incredible to see uh, the end time revelation that John had. Revelation 13 verses 16 through 18, talking about the beast. It says he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. So doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. Everybody of every level of life, he required them to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six, six, six. And so that is what we know as being the mark of the beast. Now, you know, people speculate. Again, I'm not a speculator. I just want to read what the Bible says and, you know, we'll see what happens. But people speculate, well, this is going to be some kind of microchip into your hand and could be. I have no idea. Definitely could be something like that. And people will say, you know, look how easy it is to, to handle your money now. You don't need cash. You don't even need a card anymore. You've got it with you all the time. You just scan yourself. And I've even seen people in other parts of the world prove that you can do that. And anyway, so that that could be it could be along those lines. Because it says right here that nobody is going to be able to buy Or sell without having the mark, you will not be able to economically survive and do business, go to the store, anything without having his mark. And that that's absolutely insane to think about. But it's something that's going to happen now, as I've said yet again, there will be people who become Christians during the tribulation period. Most of them, again, will will die uh, at the hands of the Antichrist and his militia, his army, whatever you want to call it. They'll get to go to heaven. Uh, but it's sad that they're going to have to go out this way where they could have gone in victory and the, the rapture of the church. But think about this for these people that do get saved during the tribulation and, and end up receiving Jesus. It's going to be really hard on them insanely hard because they're not going to be able to buy or sell unless they get the mark of the beast they will have no money they will have no means of uh, being able to operate economically without this mark and the pressure to give into that is going to be severe the pressure to, to, uh, to say, you know what, I can't take it anymore, my kids need milk, my, we just need food, I, I, I can't take it anymore, we're dying over here, we, let's just give in. That's gonna be tremendous pressure. And, sadly, anybody who receives the mark, that's it. Not going to heaven, they've, made the beast their God. They received him. And that's Revelation 14. So next chapter of Revelation 14, verses 9 through 12. It says, Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshiped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Notice it says there, no relief. It's over. That was the last straw. We could have received Jesus before any of this went down, but instead we did it the hard way. And they caved under the tremendous pressure of standing up to all this. And either uh, they they give in and receive the mark and end up dying in the end. Or they stand for Jesus and possibly face starvation, face whatever it is that's going to happen to them. But my gosh, isn't it just easier to do things God's way and go in the rapture and come uh, with Jesus right now? And I'm encouraging us tonight as we kind of wind down. I know that none of this was super uplifting. None of it was extreme encouragement didn't make you feel real good. But the good news is this. We don't have to go through all that stuff. We can receive Jesus right now. The Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's eventually going to happen. The thing is, some people choose to do it right now, right now. in this life right now, we willingly bow our knees and say, you know what? Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm going to declare that right now. And then some people, they're going to be forced to admit it someday, but it's going to be too late. Then I would rather willingly make that declaration right now and live for Jesus the best I can these next whatever time period we have left that have to endure a lot of the terrible stuff we're going through uh, in these scriptures on here, okay? And so, as we close down, I want to give you that chance right now because maybe you're watching and maybe you've just never been into the God thing. Maybe you've never received Jesus into your heart. Or maybe, and this is a greater uh chance, maybe you're watching and you had at one point lived for Jesus or at least accepted him or had some relationship, but somewhere along the way, you kind of walked off. Listen, we're not here to judge you, condemn you, throw stones at you. All we're saying is, man, come on, get back in the boat. Come back with us. Let's finish this together. Whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to repeat this prayer with me and we're going to rejoice with you that you're ready For Jesus to return. And if you'll reach out to us. We'll make sure you're even more ready. But let's pray this together. Say this with me. Father in Jesus name. I believe in your son Jesus. I believe that he died. And that he rose again. Jesus. Forgive me. For anything wrong I've done. Clean me up. Give me the strength. To live for you. I promise. To live for you now. In Jesus name. Amen. Hey message us. Send a letter. Whatever you got to do. Let us know that you prayed that with us. So we can rejoice with you. And we can celebrate. Going to heaven together. And we're going to miss out on all this junk right here. Amen. We love you guys. Alright guys, we're gonna go ahead and do our Wednesday evening tithes and offerings. And man, again, I'm just so excited and thrilled for the faithfulness of God's people during, uh, this situation the whole world's going through. I'm seeing Christians everywhere stepping up, being generous, supporting their churches, supporting the missionaries like we've been doing. And it's an absolute joy to see that even when the pressure comes, We're still standing up for what we believe in and we're still doing what we know is right. And God's rewarding us for it. A verse I want to share is Luke six, verse 38. And this is one of the very first Bible verses I ever learned. It says again, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom for with the same measure you meet withal, It shall be measured to you again. And there is. So much truth right there. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now, that whole passage is talking about forgiveness and love, and it applies to our finances also. It applies to every area. When you give, it comes back to you. You know, the world would use the word karma. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Bible right here. Give and it shall be given unto you. So I know some people try to sound humble and pious and say, well, I give, but I never expect anything in return. And Listen, I give and it's not simply for the reason of getting back, but it's unscriptural to say, well, I give. I don't ever expect anything to come back to me. Well, I mean, come on, read your Bible, man. It says if you give, it comes back to you. My main reason for giving is because I love Jesus and I love people. But a wonderful byproduct is when I give, God gets things back to me. Amen. And so just keep that in mind that when we give, it is given back unto us. Let's say our financial faith confession together here and speak some words of faith over our giving. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business settlements, estates and inheritances, Interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family. To get generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's exciting. And we're going to go ahead and, and close out and dismiss you in prayer tonight. I love you guys. And I am eagerly looking forward to the day that we can be together in person once again. So keep using your faith. And we declare that that day is coming soon as we close. Uh, Take advantage of your chance to share the gospel right now, man. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube and share these messages uh, with those around you. And we put Bible verses online every day. Any other encouraging things for the adults and the kids. Take advantage of the opportunity to share those with others. And as we close out, we're going to say the Barstow Faith, confession, and speak some words of faith and victory over this city that we love. Amen. Say this with me. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe those words with all my heart. I love you guys so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.